I'm Mary O'Driscoll and welcome to the podcast series Climate Emerge Gen Z. I'll be looking at the challenges posed to the climate movement here in Edinburgh and around the world. I'm here to learn about and discuss the most important issues we face as we transition to a more sustainable society. In this episode of Climate Emerge Gen Z, I speak to Alex Baldwin and Callum McCadden, founders of Untitled Oats, the Edinburgh-based oat drink company that puts sustainability at the heart of all their business practices. We talk about how Untitled Oats got started, the challenges and rewards of a startup business in a pandemic, and all the details to be considered as an ethical, environmentally friendly, independent retailer. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm uh, very good, thank you. Thanks for having us here today. No, you're welcome. Thanks so much for coming on. Would you be able to tell me a bit about yourselves, um, Alex and Callum? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Alex, uh, and I'm here today with Callum. Uh, we both graduated in sort of, what, June time last year, uh, and we started Untitled Oaks together. So I moved up from uh, London, well, I come from Bath, but I moved from London up to uh, Edinburgh to get this uh, started with Callum to see if we could try and make a Scottish oat milk. I don't know, awesome. Callum, do you want to say something? So I am Callum. Uh, I studied sustainable development at the University of Edinburgh. I'm actually from the Scottish Highlands, but moved down here for university. And then I went on a year abroad to Australia, is where I met Alex. And then, yeah, I sort of just graduated like everyone else into lockdown and, you know, <laughs> didn't have much to do. So came up with this idea together and we've been at it ever since. So how did this idea form? Was it something that you discussed jokingly in Australia or how did this happen? I love that you met in Australia, by the way. That's such a great story. Well, not quite. I mean, sort of very starting was just me not wanting to leave my house because of how horrible the situation was outside. Uh... So I was like making oat milk by myself and I was like, hang on a minute. It's kind of weird um, (laughs) that, you know, I guess that it comes from like overseas so mm. i don't know I, me- I messaged alex and i was like yo how can we do this uh you know how would this be done at a pre-industrial level because you know i don't have any of the technical skills and i thought alex would have you know a great m- amount to say on the matter right with your yes yeah yeah i studied chemical engineering so i guess on paper that would mean i'm quite well suited to, to do it but of course it was it's quite challenging initially yeah. Um, it's definitely I definitely realised that that difference between university, you think you know so much when you graduate and then you know, you barely know how to do anything in the real world. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> Have you faced a lot of obstacles like logistically since you've been doing this? Oh my god, yeah. Like we just continue to do so every day. Um <laughs> there's sort of so many unexpected things that just come up, you know, like but yeah, I mean I, I moved up here initially I was just uh you know, just trying to see like if we could get anything done. I mean, I myself had realised that oat milk is stupidly, well, you know, there's no, really, you know, way it should it should be costing, you know, those huge companies two pounds a litre to make. Mm. It's ninety percent water and it's ten percent oats, pretty much. <laughs> oats aren't exactly the most expensive crop in the world. Yeah. Uh, also, given that you know they're grown here up here in Scotland, and Scotland has world famous tap water, as any Scottish person will have you know. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> definitely a gap in the market, so to speak. So we, yeah, we initially moved up and we just were working in a Callum's home kitchen, just trying to see if we could get anything done, really, just experiment around with it a bit. Wow. Um, yeah, we, we, I guess, made some mistakes along the way. It definitely wasn't a smooth journey all the time. Um, I think, like, the next kind of big thing that happened is we, 
we tried to like do a limited trial with um, some of Callum's friends where we just sort of practiced delivering a, a liter of oat milk to them a week, see how we could make it. And, you know, initially it wasn't very good, if I'll be honest. It was pretty awful. Oh. Um, it didn't taste very good at all. Uh, but I mean, these, these brave volunteers were, were very constructive in their feedback, basically just telling us it was crap. Oh, God. Um, so we had to, I guess, do a bit more reading, do a bit more research and find out how to, how, you know, oat milk is actually made by, by the big companies. Excellent. Um, and so we, I guess, redesigned our process a little bit. We bit the bullet and spent some money on equipment. And that was all quite exciting, really. And then we started figuring out how to use it. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes. Like we, we broke so many bits of equipment in our early days. Like we were breaking them as quickly as we were acquiring new bits of equipment. And oh, things, were, things were breaking, things were leaking. Wow. <laughs> I think once we like, ended up tripping like all the power in Callum's house by... I, don't, I can't remember how we did it. Was that the um, like one of the boilers or something that we were trying to use? Sounds like it. Not entirely sure. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds like quite a dramatic start to your business. But it seems like, I mean, I've been drinking Untitled Oats. I hope Alex told you that, Callum. Um, I get it from oh, the Shrub Oh, I didn't Shrub know, Co-op. no. Okay, well, yeah. yeah, I get it from the Shrub Co-op. Um, I actually haven't got any at the moment just because I haven't been into the city, but normally I try to. Anyway, it's fine. I might have just slipped my mind that my brain is 95% <laughs> oats right now. So that's amazing. Oh, quick. my God. No, 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 that's fine. Wow, that must be an intense place to be in your mind right now. Um, Yeah, wow. Okay, that sounds interesting. So you started off in the kitchen and when did you transition because i know that you're at craig miller now yeah yeah yeah. so we've got a small kitchen space and a little bit bigger office space it's not um you know perfect um but it was what was readily available because we needed to move into a space sort of in the middle of a pandemic so Mm -hmm. everyone was very very busy and it was actually very difficult to get space Mm -hmm. because there was just a lot of tenuous relations between landlords and you know tenants so it was quite difficult to get a space. We got a space and just basically we just outgrew the home kitchen and it wasn't viable anymore. Mm. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Um, so when did you go from, you know, just giving it to your friends to trial things out to actually distributing it on a larger scale? Sorry, I'm not actually asking the questions I was planning on asking you, but I'm just no, really no, intrigued no, about, about all of these. Yeah. Um, now, when did it become something that you were distributing to Shrub Co-op and New Leaf Co-op and places like that? Um. Well, we were doing trials throughout most of July and August, um, and, and kind of by middle of August, we had a recipe and a process that we we felt comfortable with. So we actually expanded the trials then and started going directly to like the cafes, the businesses, the restaurants, the health food stores. Uh, you know, now that we had a bit of confidence in our product from the the, like the customers. Um, but then it was actually really encouraging the feedback we got from them. We, we visited, I think, about forty businesses around Edinburgh. You know, restaurants, cafes, mm-hmm. uh, the independent retailers. Um, and then they all said like, you know, well, they didn't all say, but most of them were very positive about what we were doing. And um, we'd basically just ask them when they could start getting a bottle. Um, wow. And then from there, we knew we had to just, well, we were already looking for places, but it's very hard to find places at short notice, mm-hmm. um, right. especially, you know, on a kind of affordable budget and, you know, without signing like a three year lease or something. So, yeah. yeah, we found something and we moved in, I think, end of September um, and we spent a month just doing up the place and just getting equipment we were really tight on our budget so we we're quite lucky in that we were able to just acquire so much uh, equipment for free we didn't steal it i know that's kind of the way it sounded but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's not um yeah so at the end of october we we launched um to actually like it was really successful that we probably didn't anticipate how big the demand would be 
Uh, so I think we first launched on a Friday, and then by the end of the weekend, everyone had sold out and wanted to double their orders. What? Um, That's amazing. So to, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, we had a very big problem then of how do we you just double our operation without spending any money and, mm. you know, using the equipment we already have. Um, so definitely, like, November was quite tense because we're trying to steadily increase it every week, like, the, the amount we could output. Uh, really without having any kind of money to actually buy bigger equipment um and we, you know we, we we were planning initially to you know work with re, uh, like so so we're sort of in independent retailers at the moment we're planning to move to cafes like you know almost a week or so after that but we've had to just keep on pushing that back uh until we have the production capacity to do so so actually i mean we, we still haven't got that done now but it's it's been you know it's, it's hopefully like a week or two weeks we'll be able to start working with uh, other businesses around edinburgh Wow. Um, I know it definitely seems like it's been you know one or two weeks for the last six weeks. <laughs> like, last time we are, we've got the equipment, we're we're ready to go. Okay, wow. I mean, it shows that you guys have totally filled a gap in the market. Then there was clearly a demand for this, right? Yeah, for sure. I, there is um one of the reasons we actually kind of shot to popularity was because the market leader um mm. of which will not be named in this <laughs> podcast. We all know who it reasons, is. <laughs> um, they got themselves into a bit of a corporate scandal in the middle of the summer by uh, taking some sort of investment from some unscrupulous investors ah. and so we you know rightfully kind of pointed this out indirectly of course because <laughs> um, we had had longer standing issues with said company and <laughs> as a result we kind of shot to popularity and you know really created this there was this large demand to get our milk out there instead you know a more ethical milk if you will yeah I mean it makes a lot of sense for me in being in Scotland to be consuming Scottish oats right because isn't the market leader produced in Sweden so yeah good. yeah that's correct um it's made in Sweden and shipped across uh yeah yeah I guess like across the sea over to here which yeah. is just absolutely crazy yeah. it's, it's 90% water the product yeah um, and it's just packaged in one liter cartons like this is this is mad yeah. Scotland has yeah world famous oats and water. It should be made here. It should be a Scottish product. Absolutely. Also, as well, oat milk is the only real plant milk that can be made. It's the only mainstream plant milk that can be made in the UK using only UK ingredients. So that was oh, a yeah. big thing that we wanted to do yeah. from day one. Is just only use uh, British ingredients. Yeah. That's definitely the yeah. yeah, limitations are yeah both good and bad. It, it's been quite tricky, I guess, to find some suppliers. Uh, in the, you know in the UK when it's a lot cheaper in other parts of the world mm. certainly like um so vitamins is, is quite a uh, you obviously if you buy um oat milk at the moment you'll find it fortified with vitamins uh, not our oat milk but you know anyone that's made in a tetra pack by companies that won't be named um <laughs> but then a lot, a lot of the vitamins in the world are just all produced in China and they're just shipped over from there uh, so that was something we, we kind of couldn't do from day one. So we had to think really carefully about, um, I guess, what goes into our product. Uh, actually working with like local people as, as much as we can. We get our ropeseed oil from East Lothian. We get our oats from Scottish borders. I think they're grown around there. And then the other smaller ingredients come from different parts of the UK. Uh, but we're really trying to decarbonize the entire supply chain as much as possible. I love that. No, that's, it's just so cool. Um, and really, really good that it's all coming from the UK. I had no idea about vitamins coming from China. Yeah, yeah. It's just that they can be made here. They're just not. Um, and it's just because businesses buy them from abroad because they're cheaper. Mm, right. 
Why is oat milk a better decision environmentally than dairy? This might seem like an obvious question to you, but to some people it might not be that obvious. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it, to me, I kind of just like, it's good that you say it's kind of obvious because it's kind of just like the sort of base assumption. It's kind of the base assumption of the company, if you will. Mm. When you sent those questions forward before the podcast, I went and like, all right, let's find some papers on this but obviously I no longer have academic access because I'm a graduate oh, yeah but however I will just say in general it just has a lot lower emissions land use and water use than dairy milk that's all the plant milks rice milk soy milk oat milk and almond mm-hmm. milk but as Alex rightfully pointed out earlier you can't make rice milk or soy milk or almond milk in the UK but you can make oat milk so as well as having those lower emissions and land use and water use we're able to also shorten the supply chains and just make it as local as possible and that's the sort of summary, if you will. Yeah, no, that's that was a perfect summary. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, what steps, I mean, we've touched on this already, but what steps have you taken to make untitled oats as sustainable as possible? So obviously we've got everything sourced in the UK, but then I know that you're transporting things by bike. Am I right? Yes, yes. So we've got a, um e-cargo bike that we use to transport our oat milk around Edinburgh. So an e-cargo bike is, is basically just like an e-bike, but imagine a, a very big storage box in the front. It's a 600 liter storage box. Um, you could probably fit like two people inside it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and when it's full, it can transport uh, over, what, nearly 100 liters of oat milk. And it's just so amazing. You know, you can take it on the bike path. You can zip up and down the cobbled streets. Um, it's really maneuverable. It's, it's a bit scary to ride sometimes if it's freezing cold or really windy. Mm. Um, but it's so much, it's so easy just to get about. And um, of course, being an e-bike, it's, it's got a, a battery in that we just plug into the wall. There's no emissions from it whatsoever. That's um, amazing. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a big toy to yeah. pretty much. It's super <laughs> useful. Uh, and actually, we're quite generous in that. We're supported by Spokes, which is a local cycling organization who oh, gave nice. us a, a grant quite kindly uh, to use towards the cost of our cargo bike. Oh, that's awesome. Good to know. People in Edinburgh supporting each other. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we even picked it up. There's a, the, the bike dealer was uh, laid back bikes. Uh, and the guy there uh, is just so knowledgeable about any kind of, kind of cargo bike. Like if you need a cargo bike in Edinburgh, like laid back is just the place to go. They've got all kinds of <laughs> funny looking e-cargo bikes over there. Really? Wow, that's great to know about. Um, did you have anything else to say, um, Callum? Sorry, I, I felt like you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, um, so yeah, the, the cargo bike's great. Upgrading from there, we're looking at the possibility of electric vans. I think one important thing to say is that there is some criticism to be made of electric vehicles in the environmental cost of their battery. Um, okay. And this is something we're critically aware of. And like going forward, we're always, you know, me and Alex are always pinging back forward arguments against each other and trying to take a holistic perspective and mm. not, you know, let any lacks on ourselves and try taking like the full cost of the decisions that we make. So we're not entirely sure where the future is going, but we're but it's always going to be there that considerations and currently it's emissions free the delivery. That's great. No, it sounds like you're thinking of everything really. Are there any other ways that you've made untitled oats sustainable? Are there things that I'm missing? So we've got the the bike oh, yeah. and the local focus but anything else yeah so um i don't think we've mentioned it actually so far but we reuse all the uh bottles that we do so we we sell our oat milk and glass bottles which we end up collecting uh during the next week's delivery um we bring them back to our unit we clean them we sanitize them and then we basically reuse them again this is so much better for the environment than tetra packs which is at the cartons that other 
companies uh, sell their oat milk in. The Tetra Packs are basically, you see on the outside, they look like cardboard, but actually on the inside, they've got a layer of aluminium and then up to seven different layers of plastic um, that are superheated onto the inside. uh, So they're sort of stuck onto the inside. They are recyclable, but they are very problematic to recycle um, because basically every single layer needs to be separated and dealt with in its own way. And actually what ends up happening normally is that the plastic from there is just downcycled into single-use plastics that end up going into the environment and leaching microplastics. As glass, on the other hand, is pretty fantastic from an environmental point of view. Um, it can be reused almost infinitely. Our glass bottles are pretty strong. I think we, we've sold, what, like a few, few thousand litres of oat milk, and I don't think we've actually had any bottles smashed so far. Um, wow. But then at the end of their lifetime, they are biologically inert, which is really important. So there's no microplastic pollution. Uh, and they, yeah, like I said, they can be infinitely, infinitely recycled. And in fact, I think most new glass nowadays is made with 80% recycled content. It just makes sense from a, an operational point of view to use recycled glass in your, it's a huge cost saving basically. Yeah. Um, so that was something that we decided on pretty much from day one, uh, that we we're going to be reusing that rather than trying to use any plastic or anything like that. Yeah. And that's something we're hopefully going to keep going with. I think that's yeah that's an amazing idea I love that you guys do that and also something that's cool about that I don't know about other places that sell your milk but at least at the shop co-op where I get it like if you bring back your bottle you get a discount um when you buy your new bottle you know I think it's like 50p off um so oh yeah like, yeah I think absolutely it's, so is it two I, I don't remember how much it is I think yeah it's, yeah it's, it's two pound a litre and then we had a 50p bottle deposit on oh yeah that's it. it yeah yeah so it's two pound fifty when we buy when you just buy your first one but then when you go back to shop co-op it's only two pounds yeah. which is cool yeah yeah, yeah. that's just a, a way for us to i guess pass or you know pass on the savings for the packaging cost yeah uh, yeah you know, if, you, if you go and if you buy a, a bottle of oat milk that's made by someone else you know you obviously the only thing you, you want to get is the, the oat milk but you're also paying for all this packaging that i guess yeah. you know just ends up yeah. getting thrown away or you know recycled i mean um, yeah. yeah it's just a way for us to keep costs down for you so we could be price competitive yeah I mean it's also just a good way for to ensure that people actually bring back the bottles and re that they're actually reused you know um so I think yeah yeah um so I mean this question you've kind of already said a little bit but how has your experience been so far of starting your business in Edinburgh so Um, it's a mixed bag I think um it's expensive is probably the first thing that comes oh, to God. mind <laughs> um, and I just think that's just because it's so competitive for mm-hmm. space and right. so rent costs are pretty astronomical mm. um, apart from that I mean it's been pretty good the community is the best thing about it the community's been so Absolutely. great with local businesses who have mm. helped support us you know we have literally people are like hey we've got this equipment you can have it oh, and they're always sending fire emojis to all our stories and these are all these local <laughs> businesses so nice and it's, it's generally so supportive and makes us feel so included. So it's two Aww. sides of uh, two sides, I guess. That's great. Wow. Um, I love that. Yeah, I do feel like at least, yeah, I've noticed on Instagram, there seems to be like a nice community amongst like eco-friendly places around Edinburgh. Um, yeah, it's really nice. Um, okay. Why is supporting local and small businesses important for tackling the climate emergency? It's a really great question. I think yeah, that that question. it's quite indirect is probably the answer. 
Um, it's just those knock-on effects that you know local and small businesses, um, in my experience anyway, seem to just um, make more of like a really personal decision about where they're getting things from. So if it's a local business, there's a good chance they're going to be using local ingredients where they can. Like all the sort of small local businesses and independent retailers we supply, as soon as we said, oh, well, we're a local oat milk, they're, like, they're pretty much like, yes, can we stock you? Um, and so I would say it's pretty much indirect. It's not necessarily quantifiable from like a directly kind of way. It's more of an indirect knock-on effect um, on the climate emergency, if you will. Yeah. Okay. No, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, Alex, did you have anything to add? Or yeah, yeah. I think also just to add is pretty much just to echo what Callum said. But also for us, like you know, we're a small business getting started. You know, we don't make massive quantities. We don't have any gigantic oat milk factory. We couldn't just go to Sainsbury's and Tesco and just tell them, like, yo, can, do you want to sell us our oat milk? Because they would, you know, they'd want to take a huge cut and they'd want, like, hundreds of thousands of litres every month. Mm. Um, but it's just fantastic that we got these, I guess, smaller uh, businesses that are able to support other small businesses. Mm. Um, you know, for instance, you know, I guess what we're doing is is kind of, it's going a bit against the grain. It's taking a risk. It's kind of betting on uh, the environmental uh how do i say this the i guess you know a, a big usp for us is our commitments to sustainability mm. and i guess we wouldn't we're not in a position to just approach a huge retailer um and tell them like yes this is definitely going to sell you know your all your customers are going to care so much about the environment they're going to buy a, a new product but it's fantastic that we've been able to work with the smaller retailers and you know cafes so like uh and restaurants as well hopefully soon too um, because they've, yeah they've just been so passionate about supporting small and supporting local um, and you know they're just willing to take a bit of a risk for something that's a bit out there something that's a bit different to say actually on this note of local and small businesses for tackling the climate emergency is that retailers Alex when you mentioned that they um you know take such a huge cut there's um it just reminded me of when I was studying certain modules on the the rise of retailers over the 50 last 50 years particularly supermarkets um, creating a sort of race to the bottom amongst producers oh yeah and basically farm gate prices like the price farmers get paid for their produce basically mm-hmm. collapsing over the sort of last 50 years whilst the price of farming has gone up and uh-huh. supermarkets are very much to blame for this because they're you know price warring against each other it's who can provide the cheapest basket of winter veg food and it's not to blame the consumers you know no one's to blame for wanting to buy cheap food because you know it's, that's a UK wage problem, but the retailers are definitely to blame for creating this price war and giving unfair prices to farmers, which has you know only spurred on the climate emergency, because you know they're unable to you know pay for environmental programs when they're being pushed so hard on costs by uh, retailers. Right. Wow. That's such an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but wow. No, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's some some insider knowledge that I wouldn't have considered. So yeah, thanks. Um, I think another thing I saw on your website was um, that for you guys, your priority isn't like rapid expansion. It's about focusing on sustainability and making sure you're doing everything like it in line with your ethics. Is that right? Did I see that on your website? I think I did. Yeah, yeah, that, that's um, definitely correct. I mean, it, it's quite if you look at our business or if, if you look at what our operation from a purely business point of view, it's inherently very anti-scale. For instance, like if we want to start sending oat milk to Glasgow, let's say, mm. you know, how are we going to get the bottles back from Glasgow? Like it's going to be very challenging to do that. Mm. How are we, you know, even just the, the reason glass has been ditched kind of in favor of plastic recently is just because plastic is so much lighter. Um, well, I mean, there are other reasons too. 
the plastic is incredibly light. That means it's very effective for being shipped. Uh, what we do, and also our oat milk requires refrigeration, um, whereas other other oat milks are heated up to very high temperatures uh, in ultra heat treatment or UHT. Uh, so again, that, again, that's something that is you know limiting the expansion, limiting our expansion. So we decided that I guess we don't have a huge amount of money, so we're not going to be focusing on like, this massive explosive growth. Um, you know, the way you'd see for, well, I mean, you know, other food and drink companies that, that come in with a lot of money at, at the start and just want to, I guess, take the UK in, in one go. Uh, we're definitely going to have a, a slow expansion. Um, we're definitely going to stick to our sustainability uh, principles throughout that. Now, that's going to be quite challenging to do, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll think of a way to, to expand in the future. Yeah. Yeah, just to echo Alex said, you know, like, it would have been very easy for us to start. It wouldn't have been easy, but I mean, it would have been the conventional route for us to be, oh, we want to start an oat milk. Okay, we'll do fundraising and we'll go to a contract manufacturer and get it made in touch packs with Scottish oat milk, Scottish Mm -hmm. oats, I mean, and then try to distribute it everywhere using distribution partners. But we said, actually, why don't we do it ourselves, do it properly and, you know, try to grow where we can for the environment's sake and try, you know, basically get everyone on oat milk but let's do it right let's do it properly yeah wow no I love that that's a really good um way to be carrying out business I think and it's yeah like weirdly non-capitalist like I don't know I really like it and I think that actually is probably going to draw more people towards you because you're not so focused on like dominating the the mark well I guess it would be great if loads of people were consuming untitled oats but I mean yeah um I guess just like not so focused on rapid expansion that you're forgetting yeah both it's just sustainable growth I guess yeah yeah yeah. that's cool do you think that's maybe the way forward for businesses now as we kind of work towards net zero 2030 or it depends on the type of business um because we need to see growth in some sectors like the plant-based food sector needs to see in order to tackle the climate crisis considering you know anywhere from 14 and a half percent to 52 percent of our emissions are from agriculture mm. we need to and you know the countless studies showing that plant-based diets the way forward this isn't to alienate um you know british farmers because there's definitely a massive role in them going forward for them in this sort of economy but we do need to see a massive growth in the plant-based food economy that's true and you know even in wider let's go beyond food you know we need to see massive growth in renewable energy economy mm. and renewable energy however some you know growth is not the be-all and end-all it's not what we need always need to see and in some you know sectors we need to see a sort of stasis if you will a stable one yeah Wow. Okay. You're very knowledgeable about all this. This is great. I feel like I'm learning so much today. It's awesome. Um, Okay. How would you like the world to look in 10 years time? This is actually just a question that I've asked everyone that's been on the podcast so far. And it's just, it's kind of just because I find it interesting to see what people say. Um, So yeah, uh, both of you can answer separately. I guess you'll have different opinions Um, on this. So yeah. Pretty good question. I might need to have a moment to think about this. Take your time. <laughs> a Callum, lot more trees would thoughts? be my would be my gut response. Just a lot more trees. No, nice. but seriously, um, <laughs> a lot um, more space for wildlife. I mean, mm-hmm. currently it's three percent of animals in the world are 
wild and the rest is mostly livestock and pets well pets are a small amount most of its rest was livestock it doesn't surprise i guess the founder of a vegan oat milk company saying that we'd (laughs) want everyone eating plants and more animals wild (laughs) yeah i guess that's just generally what i'd want for the world and obviously not to be in the depths of a climate crisis and have our co2 levels stable etc yeah okay that's that's reasonable um are you vegan yourself Callum? I actually am freegan. I'm freegan. No, no, um, no, that's fair. I do a lot of dumpster diving in around Edinburgh and like also work I go go visit shrub often. Nice. And so yeah. I do I think veganism is really great, but I would mm. probably describe myself as anti specious more than uh vegan because I think it's more of a sort of flexible understanding uh of labels, if you will. Okay. What is anti specious? <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Oh, it just comes back from like Peter Singer's book on animal liberation, and it's um and anti speciesism's more just like tackling, you know, being, you know, giving different treatment to animals, especially unfair different treatment, if you will, and sort of fighting that and fighting those regimes rather than saying, oh, I am this label and therefore I don't do that. I think veganism's great and it's done so much for anti speciesism. I'm not bashing it at all. I just it's not something that's worked necessarily personally for me all the time. Yeah. No, that's cool. Wow, that's a good new term to know about. Um, I haven't heard that, so cool. Thank you. However, untitled oats is a hundred percent vegan. There's Yay. no, there's no yep. need for any <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, what about you, Alex? How would you want the world to look in ten years? Um, well, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't think my answer is probably going to be as succinct or as, as detailed as Callum's. <laughs> um, but I think, I guess, I would want to see. Certainly in terms of the way we eat and drink, I think I'd want to see a shift away from this kind of meat being like a staple of every kind of um, every meal and, you know, more of a kind of obviously. OK, so we have to be real for a second and say that there are people in the UK who are never going to shift to a vegan diet just because they don't want to. And that's right. You know, that's their own decision to make. Like, I can't stop them from doing that. But I think if we can definitely move towards a, a society where whereby meat isn't seen as you know essential for every meal, as in you know you'd have meat as a kind of more of a special thing, or go the the route of kind of more Asian style cooking, where meat is used as more of a flavouring rather than taking up half your plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also as well, just being way more aware of like what's grown where, and I guess what's eating in season. And this is actually something I'm not especially knowledgeable about something I've learned a lot about since starting this this venture, I guess, is, you know, what can we make here in the UK? Um, this is something I guess we've seen so much with the start of the pandemic when global supply chains just got completely convoluted. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you know, these, these massively complicated supply chains couldn't sustain themselves because they failed up in one area. So, I mean, you know, that's why it's so much better, I guess, to be buying food that's made here in the UK. And actually, this is something as well, like with, the, I guess, Something that leading up to Brexit was certainly a big worry for a lot of people is, you know, what food is there going to be? Are we going to run out of food? But of course, I mean, you know, even if there are, there are like shortages in the short term, like, you know, the UK still does produce a lot of food. Maybe if, you know, whilst I'm definitely not a supporter of Brexit, maybe if this does mean that people shift towards um, eating more food that's made here in the UK and it's made, I guess, with low intensity efforts or people are a lot more conscious of what they put on their, put on their fork, so to speak then I'd say that's a positive outcome. That's a very good point. Um, I have a question from that, which yep. might just be completely irrelevant. So oats, right, are they, yep. they're produced at a certain time in the year, right? But I guess you can just store them for ages, so they'll always be available, right? 
Is that the case with oats? Um, I, I, I believe so. They're stored in granaries. We've not had a shortage in oats yet. I can't comment for certain because I never farmed oats. Okay. I, yeah, I, I think and they must be stored in granaries at the, the mill because there seems to be a consistent year-round supply of them. Yeah, I guess because it's not the kind of thing that would really go off in the same way that vegetables would go off. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not very high in sugar, so I guess, or fat, which would normally make it go off quite quickly. Oh, really? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, I don't know. This is quite a good question. <laughs> No, I mean I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fine. It just popped into my head, and I was like, "When yeah, no, I'm not sure. We've not had the we've not had the pleasure to visit our mill yet because of COVID. Oh, We're really no. excited for the post COVID oh, so yeah. we can actually go visit you know our suppliers and visit the mill and see wow, yeah. the massive granaries of oats. Gosh, yeah, that's <laughs> something to get excited for. Then hopefully that won't won't be too far away, for you guys. And that's a good point about Brexit as well, actually. I wonder, because my worry for Brexit, amongst many things, was um, that we would end up getting food from, like, not from Europe and just from, like, even further away, like Australia or whatever, random places. But yeah, if that meant we were actually going to consume more UK-based foods, because surely it's ridiculous for us to be getting things from South America or whatever, um, that could be a positive outcome, but who knows? Yeah, Yeah, a good point. I mean, Brexit made us sort of reconsider because exactly what you just said with all these like questions of getting food from Australia, it made us sort of question untitled oats. We're like, wow, is it actually that horrific that people are getting some ingredients from Europe and is like supporting Mm. Europe actually not a bad thing considering Mm. now the UK is moving in the direction of, oh, let's get food from the US and get food Mm. from Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True. Okay, so last question. This is also just something I've asked everyone because it's just interesting for me to see what people say. Um, if you could change one policy at the snap of your fingers, so say you were first minister for a day, prime minister for a day, something like that, um, what would it be? Oh, um, calling oat milk milk. I think you should be able to do that. It's, it's, it's a bit ridiculous because for tax purposes, we are, we are considered an alternative milk but we can't put the the word milk anywhere on our bottle or anywhere on our advertising. Even though 99% of people call it oat milk and, you know, peanut butter gets a free pass for some reason. (laughs) You get coconut milk in a tin and that's considered okay, but as soon as it's in a glass bottle, that's completely unacceptable, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. No, I guess that must be annoying for you. So you have to say it's an oat drink, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we say it's an oat drink. I mean, it's not actually that annoying. And I think if I thought about this question a bit more, I could probably come up with a much better policy to change. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's funny. It's cool because everyone's given like things that are very specific to their their issue. And this is, yeah, this is an, a battle that the oat milk <laughs> slash oat drink industry is facing. So interesting. <laughs> um, Callum, did you have a policy you think you'd want yeah, to change? Yeah, I would change the sort of shape of sort of food processing subsidies this is like the food and drink this various scottish government funds mm. and one of them is a food and drink fund i'm not particularly clued up on the farming side but on the processing side it was quite infuriating coming to the end of the year and sort of two things a we couldn't really get any support as a small producer all the grant applications were in the hundreds of thousands of pounds is how much they expected you to put forward yourself before they would sort of match that Oh my god! Which I think is quite infuriating because it doesn't it doesn't support small scale producers at all, which I think yeah. is vitally important. And the other aspect was, I would really like to see these funds, you know, directed in the context of the climate emergency. Like it doesn't make sense to you know 
not that these funds aren't being focused on plant-based products they need to be and mm. so that's quite infuriating from our perspective and i've, I've been <laughs> messaging a lot of people in the government and being ignored <laughs> over <Really>? email <laughs> wow but, uh, well, yeah. so you've been asking them to prioritize plant-based um like startups. yeah yeah so i sent i sent this email and be like um just trying to go all the way to the top anyone who'll listen basically um, awesome. i think i i think i got referred on to the uh the cabinet secretary for the economy but i've not quite drafted a response to them yet because wow. i got a generic email back <laughs> that's progress though gosh i guess that's how change is going to happen if you're just pestering your msps and various people in parliament right <laughs> i love yeah, that yeah, hopefully yeah no that's really cool that you're actually taking a stand and taking action about these things that you disagree with that's really cool yeah it's quite funny because it's it's almost like um sort of beating yourself on the chest the energy when i come along and i'm like oh yeah well i'm the managing director which doesn't really feel like a real term yet for myself. <laughs> <laughs> i'm the managing director of one of scotland's largest oat milk companies even though oh, they're absolutely <laughs> tiny you know so <laughs> that's cool though you're still one of the largest that's yeah no you gotta beat your chest it's fine wow this has been such a good chat like i've really enjoyed learning more about it both of your views on the industry and um and an insight into your experience as a new company in Edinburgh like I think it's really yeah, really cool you wouldn't what expect you guys are it, doing. but there's a lot of drama in the old world you wouldn't expect <laughs> it, oh, wow. but there's so yeah. much drama <laughs> it seems that way yeah you think it's like everyone's really peaceful and like I don't know hippie vegan oat milk drinking chilled out people but yeah I'm sure there's drama <laughs> in every industry um, no thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me like I've had such a nice time talking to you both no and it's I feel like really I've learned too. lots of lots of bits as well actually lots of um sciencey things that I wasn't expecting to learn so that's pretty <laughs> cool <laughs> no we um, really really appreciate it thank you very much yeah. oh no thank you yeah, yeah hopefully it's been great speaking to you yeah, hopefully this gets you guys a, a few more customers as well at the moment. I'm guessing like with the new lockdown, the amount of milk that you're selling has gone down a bit because a lot of the small businesses are closed or? Uh, some of them, like we, we, as I said, we're just poised to expand into cafes. Uh, yeah. But now a bunch of them have, have shut down or I guess it's severely reduced the amount of uh, customers they're going to be serving because they can't have people inside. Um, but yeah, like uh, the, the independent retailers, you know, they they're staying open. Their food service that's going to be probably right, the last yeah, thing to shut down. Okay, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I would say that lockdown is actually less impactful on us than Brexit is. Now, oh, wow. although we use UK suppliers for ingredients, for example, we wanted to buy a bottler from Italy, and okay. the companies oh, are yeah. just not shipping to the UK anymore. They all say sorry. Because of the uncertainty around Brexit, we, it's temporarily suspended, wow. which means our expansion, yeah. you know, and upgrading our line is temporarily suspended. Gosh. So what is it's a bottler, sorry? <laughs> oh, literally, this is because um, we don't have that much money. Um, we are always getting the cheap version. So instead of spending thousands of pounds on a bottling line, mm. we're going to buy this simple um, device, which gravity feeds and can fill four bottles at once because we currently fill one bottle at a time. Oh, wow. You do them one by one. Gosh, yep. that must be a Thanks lot a of work time. for you guys. <laughs> are you just tired all the time from this or, or not? Uh, pretty much. It's, pre it's pretty full on, but we're, we're <laughs> upgrading it so that a lot it will be a lot more efficient. So hopefully we'll we'll get over the hill soon. Yeah. 
gosh like respect to you both for doing this straight after uni as well like that's a massive thing (laughs) to achieve in the midst of a global pandemic to just be starting a business and staying positive it's really cool thank you I think definitely like if I look back over the last few months it seemed that you know every time we look back a month we're like god I can't believe we're doing it that way a month ago like that was so inefficient that was (laughs) labor intensive and like you know we've managed to make a saving in time and effort now I mean, where will be in six months? Like, you know, just, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's always going to be the case. We upgrade one thing, and then a few <laughs> months or a few weeks later, it's already obsolete. <laughs> You're just constantly learning. That's awesome. That's how it should be. So that was my chat with the lovely founders of Untitled Oaks. Since this recording, their oak drink has started to be used in some Edinburgh-based cafes and their business is continuing to thrive despite the pandemic. For more information about Untitled Oats, you can visit their website, available in the description, or follow them on social media. This has been Climate Emergency. Thank you for listening. <laughs>